Think about this. Our brains change. Memory is an amazing. What you think is in our there brains is aren't really finished. They're not fully cooked yet. You go with your heart. You we don't have any idea why yeah, we're, we're doing so smart. most of the things that we're doing. But here's the deal. A piece of what we're trying to do in conversations is to determine what statements are relevant to make and which ones are not relevant to make. I'm Art Markman. I'm Bob Duke. I'm Rebecca McEnroy, and this is Two Guys on Your Head. Today, framing discourse. A lot of times when we have conversations about difficult topics, what makes those those topics difficult to talk about is that they're complicated and that they have a variety of different elements to them. And, and often when we then engage in a discussion, we only pick a particular subset of those elements that we say are relevant to the conversation. And that frames the conversation. And often that framing determines whether or not that conversation is going to be successful. So, for example, if you're having an argument with somebody, um, you know, if, if, if it's, uh, you know, so when a, when a teenager is having an argument with a parent about, about how late they can stay out, right? The, the, the parent may be thinking of this in terms primarily of, I'd like you to be home by midnight because I want you to sleep. And so they would prefer to frame this just in terms of time and sleep. Whereas the teenager wants to frame this conversation in terms of trust and independence, right? Which, which is, you know, and so, and so the, the kid will say, well, you don't trust me. And now the parent says, wait, I just want you to come home so that you can wake up in the morning, <laughs> right? And, and so now you have these incompatible frames. Mm -hmm. And which of those frames you adopt for the rest of the conversation ultimately determines who is successful in the rest of that conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and of course, the, who's, who's determining the frame is not always obvious, right? right. Be, because if, in fact, there's not an, an agreement about what frame we're going to adopt and everybody stays in their own frame, well, then nothing gets anywhere. You just keep saying the same stuff over and over again. Right? Yeah. Or you say the same stuff over and over again. Exactly. <laughs> um, but but what's, what's interesting is because we like to be cooperative in the moment in conversations, one of the things that happens is we often, uh, we often react to what it is that someone else just said, and we react to it reasonably directly. So if you speak first and frame the conversation in a particular way, uh, it takes a, a real strength of will to say, wait a second, time out. Okay, that is the inappropriate framing for this conversation, <laughs> right? So, so when the, you know, when the when the teenager says, "Well, you, you simply don't trust me. How am I ever going to gain my independence if if we can't create a, a basis for trust?" the the parent then starts going off on trust, right? And now you have this long conversation about trust, as opposed to saying, "Wait, back up. That's actually a separate conversation that I'm willing to have later." like tomorrow after you've gotten home at midnight tonight or at length if you don't get home at midnight because you're going to be spending every night for the next week here. But for now, we're just talking about bedtime, Yeah. right? But we often don't reframe it that way. We accept the frame that the right. first person spoke and now we start bringing all of our mental capacity to bear on what's the best way to approach this conversation as it's been framed right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. One way to sort of divert the frame is just to ask why. You know, yeah. somebody says we have to be why, and and then now that now allows somebody at least to have to assert 
well, this is the reason for why I'm doing this. And now you're off in some other place, you know, that wasn't at all what somebody intended when they said we're going to be home by midnight or whatever it is. And so what we have to recognize is that a piece of what we're trying to do in conversations is to determine what statements are relevant to make and which ones are not relevant to make. Because, you know, if you're having a conversation about baseball and then somebody starts comes in and starts talking about elephants, it's there's something wrong. I mean, that's a, that's an inappropriate response to, to, to that conversation. But it but we actually I mean, that's that's a sort of a, a you know extreme example. It's way off base. But we we actually do this much more specifically. Right. We, we make the, we frame conversations in ways to try to make particular things off limits as part of the conversation. But I wonder how this translates to conversations we have with ourselves. You know, like, is there a way to recognize that you're framing things in a certain way when you're thinking about them? And like how certain frames affect the way that you think about things? I mean, really what we're saying is, what is the conversation actually about? Or what is the internal conversation actually about? I don't think we often take the time to really clarify in our own thinking, what is this thing actually about? Because many of us are engaging in conversations internally and with other people that are apparently about one thing, but actually we're talking about something entirely different. Yeah, and in fact, one of the one of the reasons why talking therapy can be so effective is because by speaking aloud some of the things that you've been thinking in the way that you've been thinking them, one of the things a good therapist does is to take a step back from that and say, so if you're talking about this situation in this way, here are some assumptions that you're making about this situation. Are, are those assumptions that you actually want to make? Uh, which may cause someone to step back and say, oh, you're right. I am assuming that. That I don't know. I don't think so. What do I do to change those assumptions? What, what can I do to think about this in a different way? And so externalizing the, those thoughts and, and having someone else who's a, a, an, an independent observer and, and, and often a trained observer to actually pay attention to the way that you're saying things can be valuable in order to help you to change the frame of that internal monologue. And I don't think we can overstate the importance of what Art just said about externalizing thoughts. We're capable of tremendous self-delusion But that self-delusion becomes more difficult when we say things aloud, when we write things down on paper or type them on a screen. And I think the the problems that many people find themselves in when they're supposed to be thinking about one thing or intending to think about one thing or thinking about something else, they're doing that because inside of our own heads, we're really not clear about what we're thinking about. But when you start to write about it or you talk aloud about it, not with a judging listener, but just a listening listener who just sort of reflects back the things that you say, well, now your perspective has the potential to change in a positive way that it can't if all the stuff is just bouncing inside of your own skull. Next week, we'll explore how to deal with jerks with Dr. Art Markman and Dr. Bob Duke. You can listen back to this show at KUT.org or subscribe to the podcast to never miss an episode wherever you get your podcasts. David Alvarez is our engineer, and I'm Rebecca McEnroy. I produce Two Guys on Your Head at KUT Radio in Austin, Texas.